And here we are, Lisa Ann's Backstage Condos at Sapphire. I want to remind you all how many fun things are happening all the time at all of the different Sapphires, whether you're in New York City, whether you're in Vegas. But if you're in New York, you can also enjoy a little bit more of just me because you can enjoy my wine, Lisa by Lisa Ann, at all three New York City locations. So it's just another excuse. You know, if somebody said, why are you going to the strip club? Well, definitely to have Lisa's wine. This conversation is going to be a little story time. It's going to be just me and you because I have so many banked up in here. And sometimes it's just great to free flow and share. And as we touched on my last solo conversation with you, I was talking about the history of what I've seen in the industry, what it was like when I first started, what it was like to work for Al. And now I'm going to get to the fact of when the clubs started to transition away from paying us and away from us just dancing on stage. I am working at Al's Diamond Cabaret and all the talk of the town is Delilah's Den in Philadelphia. All I knew about Delilah's was it was downtown Philly, uh, which, you know, that's a little bit scary driving out of at night as a young woman. And you had to pay to work there. And it was a real hustle culture. It was all about lap dances. And I hadn't done a lap dance. So I went down during the day to talk to everybody, get to know everybody at Delilah's, see what the deal is, explain to them, hey, I've never really done a lap dance. I'm happy with stage tips. Is that okay with you? I shortly, quickly realized that it is very important for you to do dances because at that time, the clubs were getting half. So I went down, I put my couple weeks in, no dances, just dancing on stage. And it was a beautiful club, multi-floors, big stage, big crowd, great environment, great energy, especially after like a hockey game or a basketball game, like that place would just fill up. So one night, a group of men come in that I instantly recognize because they all play for the 76ers. And at that time, living in Pennsylvania, diehard Sixers fan, and as a matter of fact, fun fact, a little off the beaten path here, but my very first pro game, not the Harlem Globetrotters, which I got to see a lot as a kid. And if you have not taken your kids to see the Globetrotters, what are you doing? They are so much fun to watch. They make every seat a good seat because they close off the top half of the arena. And I always went, but it was 1983 was my very first 76ers game. Do you realize that in 1983, the Sixers won it all? So as a young kid, I think my team is the only team that wins and that they win it all, which has not happened since. And then I fell in love with the Dallas Cowboys. I've been living that same pipe dream since 1996. But back to the Sixers enter the club. Now I'm intrigued. Maybe I do want to do a dance. What should I say here? So I go over to the manager who knows, you know, by this time, knows I'm a sports fan. I say, you know, it's the Sixers over there. He's like, you know what? That guy over there asked me if you would want to give him a dance. Now, to save face, I'm not going to name any names. But I will let you know that our, our lives, our paths crossed much later in life. And I told him the story that I'm going to tell you right now. So I go over, you know, and I'm super excited. I'm kind of having a fan experience, but you're supposed to be the girl that's super uber, you know, hot and sexy and in control and not wanting to talk about stats or maybe somebody could be better at free throws, which is really the conversation I wanted to have, but I didn't. And I go to do this dance. And at this time, clubs weren't timing songs to be quite as short. So whatever the girl picked on stage, you were dancing for that song, which was obnoxious if the girl was into classic rock and roll because those songs could be five to seven minutes long. One thing you should know now about most clubs is they time the, the songs so that they're equal. Not only that, if you're in a regular club, you want the music to keep going. 
You don't want to get to that verse of the song that you don't know. So everything's in a snippet, keeps things moving at an even pace. And then the girl that's on stage isn't sticking everybody that's doing dances with a seven-minute song. So I begin to do this dance. I proceed through the dance. I, I don't say anything about anything, any rules or anything, because at this time, you know, I'm 18, maybe 19. And I don't know what I'm supposed to tell this person they can or cannot do, but I'm doing this dance and there's a lot of fucking contact. But as I watched all the other girls, there was also a lot of contact, which was why when I surveyed the situation weeks before when I started working there, I told the manager, look, I'm happy with my stage tips. I don't really need to do dances. So I do this dance, guys pawn me all over. Dance is over, I say, thank you very much. I walk over to the manager, I say to the manager, okay, Let's talk about the business behind this situation. I made $20 for that dance. What do you get? He goes, I get 10. And I looked at him, I said, well, you know what? Fuck that. I'm never doing another dance. I didn't do another lap dance until I went on the road as Sarah Palin, only because the managers then said, do the dance. You can take the security guy in the room with you. He can tell them all the rules. If you don't want to be touched, don't be touched. These guys will give you $100 a song. Do the fucking dance. So I was like, okay, that was different. But as a young woman, I did the math. This guy touched me more than my last three boyfriends in the matter of one song during a dance in a public venue. And he was one of my favorite players. I actually had his number. That was my chosen number on my uniform just two years before in high school. So let's flash forward to the pro golf tournament in Lake Tahoe every July. Century regional. It's a very fun thing. Everybody goes. McAfee goes. You know, Rogers goes. Like it's a big thing. At that time, I go and I see this gentleman who is much older now, much more well known in the public spotlight. And I walked up to him and I told him the story. And I said, Sir, I'd like to tell you how you affected my life. And he looked at me and he said, Girl, I did you such a favor. Look how hard you work to be better than that. Look at the choices that you made. You'd still be at some grubby club, making half the money, letting guys touch you all over the place for $10 if I didn't do that. We laughed so fucking hard. It was one of those magical moments. My friends were with me. They were laughing. They were getting spy photos, taking pictures of us telling this story. But the irony of who I knew I was and who I knew I wasn't. This is a business where you truly have to know who you are. And if you're comfortable with contact, then that is great. But if you're not, that's great too. And so in my world, I was more focused on how could I get away from all of that contact? And also, why the fuck am I gonna let somebody touch me and give the club back half? That is ludicrous, okay? That's when I really started to say, let me just go back to work full-time again at Owls. Let me focus on these feature dancers and learn everything because the feature dancers would sell so many Polaroids after their shows that they never even had time to do dances. So I was like, they're getting a paycheck. They're getting their money on stage. They're selling merch. That's kind of the category I want to be in, in this hustle, in this space. And that made me really focus on that. So it worked perfectly well for me. And to each his own, not judging anybody who likes it any other way. But I will say that moment, I can still picture it. I can still picture me like kind of stomping over to the manager with this $20 in hand and being like, so what do I get? What do you get? He told me I got 10. I was like, fuck this shit. That is ridiculous. 
That worked for me. Look how much that motivated me. He was right. It did motivate me to do many other things. I knew from watching those features, it was incredibly important for me to have a wide variety of eight by tens because especially in the Northeast, there's a ton of collectors and, and they would keep them in like a three ring binder in like laminate sleeves with like 10 in each slider. And so I always was having photo shoots done, always adding new things to my merch and always making sure I could be selling for as long as humanly possible to hopefully avoid doing a dance where people touch me. Flash forward to now I'm popular. The Sarah Palin thing has happened. Now there's, you know, 20, 30 guys that are asking the manager, does she do dances? So I'm like, well, how am I going to go about this? And I remember I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan at a deja vu. And the manager looks at me and goes, what do you care if the guys don't buy another one? I said, because I said to him, they're not going to be satisfied. I've seen what those other girls are doing. There's a lot of contact. They're going to see me. I'm going to tell them to sit on their hands. My security guy's going to be mad dogging them from around the corner in the door. They're not going to buy it. And the manager's like, what the fuck do you care if they don't buy another one? Let them be one and done. So that I was. I was always the one and done lap dance girl, unless it was just a guy that wanted to talk. You know, I was fine sitting next to somebody, maybe having my leg over his, but as soon as he started to pet me, I had the willies. Just not for me. Uh, it's just not for me. But that's how I went from one to nothing. And then when I told this person, when I started doing dances again, how much I was able to charge. And mind you, a lot of those clubs still do have splits for the feature, but I would always tell the guy he had to play the split. So if it was like the club got $20 for a $100 dance, I'm not gonna take 20 out of my 100 and keep 80. I would tell the guy, you're gonna pay me 100, and then you're gonna walk over to that manager and you're gonna hand him the 20 and make him feel really guilty about taking money that he had actually no part in taking money in. I always made it a very funny, funny thing, but it's a hustle. And this business has so many different ins and outs and things that I've watched kind of change and adapt over time. And here I sit back in this space after just coming back from a trip to Australia where I really observed what I've watched. I've witnessed me coming from a place where I couldn't even bank with my ones from clubs to going to shows all over the world with all different walks of life, people that are sexual beings, people that are just curious, people that are just fucking looking for something different to do. We have opened up Pandora's box in this space. It's so much, it's so much more inclusive. People feel so much more welcome. And what I see now is the opposite of when I started. You know, when I started, these trade shows were divided. All the one types of people would be in one corner, all the girls would be in another kind of corner, all the one types of girls would be over here. You know, very few little room for any girls with tattoos or alt girls. And, you know, and the gay porn would be on one side and the interracial porn would be over there. And now it is just this beautiful mixture of everything that you could want to see, share, and enjoy. I sat on Sunday night after I got home from the after party in Australia as I was packing to go to the airport. And I wrote a bit in my journal about an idea I have for maybe a third book of really going down memory lane of each individual facet of the industry that I watch change and transition all the way from the small area in the back of a video rental where you could get a couple adult movies to the adult bookstores that I used to argue with because they would always divide my content. And I did a lot of interracial and the interracial was like in the back. And I was like, you're not putting my movies in the back. You're not dividing these movies to now the fact that a lot of those stores other than toys and lubes 
don't sell a lot of movies. Uh, there's no need to. Everybody's streaming. And if it wasn't for the booming toy industry, most of these stores probably would have gone out of business. There's a hustle, hustler store in Lexington, Kentucky, and it's a beautiful store. And it's the first store I ever saw that has, it looks like the old soda pop bar, like at a diner where you'd sit there and get like the old school soda or an ice cream. And it's all for loops. And there's all different flavors and they make this whole kind of, there's someone that comes behind, explains all the different lubes. And then there's a sink to wash your hands and there's different scents. But we've had to find ways to be more creative. The one thing that has stayed the same is the absolute fantasy that comes with coming into a strip club and seeing your everyday girl that just walked in off the street, probably in jeans, tennies, and a hoodie, go in the back and throw on her heels and the sexy of sexy with maybe some glitter and come out there and entertain you. That's what you're going to get at all the Sapphire locations. And you're going to continue to get more story time with me and more conversations with guests on Lisa Ann's backstage combos, please make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow all of the socials and share these fun chats with your friends because we want to get more eyes on here so we can bring more people in for you. Thanks for watching an all new episode of Lisa Ann's backstage combos.